Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Crazy Money. I am your host, Paul Ollinger, and this is episode number one of year five of Crazy Money. That's right. We started this journey back in January of 2019. Ah, 2019. Do you remember how innocent we were? We didn't even know how innocent we were. We didn't know what the world had in store for us, but here we are. We survived. And uh, over those last four years, we've produced 167 episodes of Crazy Money to explore the connection between money, happiness, work, and meaning through conversations with incredible human beings like LL Cool J, Judd Apatow, Moby, Apollo Ono, and Nobel Prize winner Sir Angus Deaton, but most importantly with my father, my late father, the great Billy Ollinger. This year, we're starting off with my friend, the beautiful, the talented, the hilarious, Catherine Blanford. Catherine is an Atlanta-based comedian who's moving to Los Angeles as we speak because her career has taken off. She's had one of these inflection moments in her creative career, and I wanted to talk to her to see what life is like when she's gone from anonymous to pretty well-known comedian in the comedy business. A year ago, as you'll hear her describe, Catherine was a, a nanny, working as a nanny during the day here in Atlanta and doing comedy at night. In the past year, some of her videos went viral and caught the attention of the people who produced The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. And she made her network television debut last summer. And since then, she's been headlining all across the country and she's opening for David Spade. So her career has really taken it to the next level. And I wanted to get inside her head. I wanted to understand like how she's thinking about this opportunity. Is she conscious about how special this is? How has uh, the way she sees the world changed based on the world paying attention to her for good or for bad? How does it feel to have a little change in her pocket going jing-a-ling-a-ling? Yeah, that was a Georgia Satellites reference. You're welcome. Anyway, Catherine's great. You'll love her. And I think you'll enjoy this conversation because it's a very unique time in her life. And I can't wait to check back in with her in a few years after her career has gone to an even higher level. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Catherine Blanford. How you doing? Just peachy. How are you? It's, I'm lovely. What a treat to have Catherine Blanford in my basement on her own volition. This is purely consensual. I know. And I, honestly, this is one of these basements where you're like... I could live here and you would never know. We rarely come down here. Yeah. Yeah. I could live down here. I could be fine. I would thrive down here. There's so many books and movies. The 1975 World Book Encyclopedia. Do yeah. you know what an encyclopedia is? Uh, yeah. It's a one of those books that you put on your coffee table to hold a candle on top of. Correct. Yes. That's exactly what an encyclopedia is. <laughs> Yeah, this is beautiful. This is. You stay on mic for me, please. Sorry, this is. What do you mean, stay on? You're mic? like ah. I'm sorry. I'm looking. I'm You're looking, looking around. around. Okay, look around. Be expressive. Uh, okay, so looking around here. You're taking acting lessons. What's your motivation right now? My motivation living in one of these places would make me excited. I would want the zombie apocalypse to happen. So that I had an excuse to stay inside my lovely home for the rest of my life. Well, that was pandemic. Yeah, but this was, I bet pandemic was wonderful for you. <laughs> we were very happy to have things like a home gym during pandemic. Uh, a home gym and a home pool. Home pool. I don't think we got in more than three times during pandemic. Why? Kids just at a certain point, we used it all the time when the kids were three to seven years old yeah. and they don't, they don't care. They don't want to go swimming. They do other stuff. It's like a bathtub. It's a nice water feature. It's very pretty to look at. And the sound of the little waterfall on the hot tub is you go. We is paid nice. thousands and thousands of dollars to have our guests graze by this. And then when they come by. Yes. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. I mean, I get it. 
I'm at that point in my life where I'm trying not to be tacky and comment about people's beautiful homes, <laughs> but I'm just not there yet. In okay. my head, I go, you know not to do this, Catherine, but I go, nope, not there yet. I'm uh, too immature. When someone says something nice about your nice home, nobody, as long as it's said sincerely, <laughs> nobody's going to be like, oh, what a bitch. <laughs> I know, but it's really tacky to be like, Dude, this place is huge. No, it's, I don't think if you just go, wow, this is really nice. Right. So, I right, like right, your right. taste. You know, right. it's like if this were some cheesy, like futuristic, gnarly, modern house, you're like, huh, huh. Yeah. Because a house can be big and not to your liking. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It can be scary and weird. Right? The hedges are shaped like giraffes. <laughs> right. <laughs> what is that called? Topiary. I don't know. They have it at uh, Walt Disney World. Yeah, stuff like that. But yours is beautiful. This is very fun. This is, um, you live a life unlike any other comedian. Unlike any other local comedian nobody's ever heard of. Yeah, Of all the exactly. people doing the occasional open mic at a brewery in Atlanta, I have the nicest house. This is. I'm going to say I'm in the top two or three houses among the completely unfamous $50 a set comics in atlanta yeah this is when you go you want to yeah when i see you at an open mic next time i'm gonna yeah. look at you and be like oh, you're not going to open mics anymore amy brown has a pretty nice house she I'm does guessing. both of you do too <laughs> both of y'all do and then you go sad well-off people who still need comedy <laughs> yeah. what's wrong with both of us you go everybody else everybody else needs comedy because they need to be validated and you and amy brown are just Greedy. Bored. <laughs> we have everything. We have wonderful, beautiful spouses and children and lovely homes. And yet it's not it's quite too, enough. Uh, I've already hired someone to <laughs> get the leaves out of my pool and to mow my lawn. I don't have anything to... Uh, I guess I'll go to an open mic. Okay. So, but here's the thing. And this is what I'm so excited to talk to you about today. Because, <laughs> you know, you're... At an inflection point in your life, right? Right. Okay. A year ago, point. a year ago, you're working as a nanny. Yes. Uh, six months ago. Yeah, six months. Maybe not even. Yeah, six months. All right. Less well, let's talk about the last year of your life. Okay. Because here's the thing. I think that as much of this niceness, these nice homes, nice cars, all the affluent stuff, all the luxuries, mm -hmm. I see that in your future. That would be nice. I don't really give a hoot. Well, I'm not... Uh, no, no, no. I'm saying, <laughs> I mean, I'm looking... This is, is amazing, but I... What I have found in the past year is that I... Sorry, I'm just, just going to keep doing like, this. No, you're good. I just hope... For my future, my... All I hope to do is be able to have the, I guess, financial freedom to keep creating things that are fun for me. And I get to, you know, I don't have to have a job that I hate yeah. to support myself. Yeah. Hopefully I have enough financial freedom to keep doing these things. Light me on fire. hundred percent. And I think that, you know, when people ask me, what do you want to do? I just, I just want to do cool. I want to create cool things. Yes. I want to do comedy. I want to do this podcast because I think it should be made. I think these conversations matter. And I'm not, I mean, I don't want Tom Cruise kind of fame. I mean, I guess if it came, I wouldn't argue, but I want to be able to do what I want to do. And I don't say that I think that you will have affluence in your future because I think that's your goal. I just think what's interesting is a lot of young comedians are like, it's not possible. It's not possible. But you've just gotten to the point yeah. where the trajectory of your career has changed. So let's talk about the last year of your life. Yes. 
Where were you a year ago? What was happening? Um, dude, this past year, literally from this point on, is is wild. Okay, so started stand up when I even started I wasn't sure I was going to keep doing it. I was mm-hmm. just like you know it's was, it was very much what I've done my whole life is I just go I enjoy that I'm just going to keep doing it I don't have I don't have it mapped out right. I'm just going to keep doing what I like doing and took a nanny job as an in-between job while trying to figure out how I was going to get into medical sales <laughs> one of your jokes one of my jokes this is a but... good joke it's a really good joke uh, I, w- I would argue pharmaceutical so, it was such, pharmaceutical you've sales. mentioned it you've mentioned it tell the joke this is insane everyone here is, is so young and hot and it's just nice to fit in somewhere, somewhere. <laughs> we all look rich and that's where we differ uh, I don't know. I've had a lot of life decisions that led me to this point, and I just I do shows every night, and after every show, I go and I sit in my car and I pull down that little mirror and I look at myself in the mirror and I say, Catherine, you're so cute. You could have sold medical equipment. It's a good punchline. Because yeah. that industry hires a lot of very attractive young women. Young, yeah. And young men, I'm too. too old for it now. <laughs> you probably are. Uh, You're, yeah. You've I'm, missed the I'm window. i You've missed the window <laughs> yeah, on medical. Yeah. They're like the Marines. They get you out of high school. That's right. All right. So... So, you're not selling a year ago. You're not selling medical equipment. Not selling medical equipment. I find myself a year ago still nannying. Eight years. Mm-hmm. Eight years of nannying. Why do you nanny? Because you have a passion for what? Rich people's food. <laughs> That's a good joke, Tim. I should talk more about eating their food. What I was hoping you do is you. This is just like the couch on the Tonight Show where I just feed you lines right. and you do your jokes. Yeah. Okay. I should pay more attention to this. No. 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 Okay. A year ago. What's going on? Your nanny and career is drawing to a close, sadly. Yeah, I, you know, what's so funny now. I'm working on a, a scripted show about bad nannies. It, I will is say, Fran Drescher going to play your, your. No, it's the opposite of a love story. Oh. <laughs> it's a woman who is nannying and is repulsed by anything mm. um, maternal. Mm. Is that a uh, feature or a series? Series. Cool. Okay, long story short, I. How long have you been doing comedy at this point, a year ago? Five years? I, I mean, maybe six. Six and a half. Yeah. Okay. I don't have any plan. I'm just trudging along. I'm mm-hmm. just doing my best, mm-hmm. making everything work. I get a, I put some clips online, just, you know, whatever. I get a DM from a, a guy out in LA, Kyle, can't say his last time. There's a thousand vowels in it <laughs> with it. And then a couple Z's. Right. And asked me to come out to LA to film a don't tell set. I'd seen some people do some don't tell things and I was like, sure. Don't tell comedy uh, don't is tell comedy. this right. series that has an online following and people don't know where the shows are going to be and then they show up and then they film them. And yeah, it had been a thing where they branched out, they franchised, mm-hmm. if you will, to different cities. Right. And the, the kind of local scene of don't tell comedy is just you belong to an email list. You yeah. say there's a show on Friday. Right. You don't know the lineup. You don't know the location. That's right. Day, uh, I did one blah. last week and I, yes. it was in a uh, hairstyling salon. Yeah, they're all, they're very, it's a cool yeah. concept. It was fun. Yeah, I bombed, but it and was they, fun. Yeah, that's actually the point of it, too. They say, don't tell the comics how bad they do. <laughs> I left right after my set, so I didn't yeah, have to. You know, you, know, you have that, that thing where you're like, oh, I'm, I'm going to stick around and get no, no, out no, cards and meet people, and then you bomb, and you're like, I'm leaving. That's exactly <laughs> what we said. I was at I was at the Skull this past weekend, and 
So the Laughing Skull had it lets out. There's two doors that open out to Midtown, right? They right just let out to the, yeah. the sidewalk. And when I was hanging out there, it was another comic, Sean at Kakindi. And I go, I go, Sean, like, this is how you can tell a comic thinks they're set went well right because they go out afterwards they go out it's just to meet all the people leaving right. to get their their praises yeah yeah. and i go if, if that's comic- like 90 percent of your comp i mean oh for sure yeah exactly is sharing your instagram handle please follow me yeah 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 please follow me <laughs> go, the people go hey it was really good set and you go at it's Catherine blanford and they go huh and you go, oh did you did you, do you have an Instagram? Right. <laughs> go, yeah. Man, we just want to leave. <laughs> I know. I handed out, I had a great set at a country club mm-hmm. on Saturday. Great. Killer. And, mm-hmm. you know, following Sally Brooks and Zane Sharif, who murdered yeah. as well. Handed out 30 cards. I got two Instagram. <laughs> oh, they go. Dude, it's like uh, the fire thing has to go. There's no way the fire <laughs> thing still works. It doesn't work. I mean, you might as well be telling people, putting a sign on the side of the highway that says free moving. Right. So the algorithm, we're all slaves and bitches, okay. bitches to the algorithm and right. the algorithm worked for you watch the segue right. back to don't tell sorry. comedy sorry so i get a dm the, this the company that started don't tell has now started filming sets in la mm-hmm. very specific shows right it's not just any don't tell show it's a very high production they have yeah. like five cameras yeah. there i used to say they had the camera that would slide yeah the dolly camera the sliding that's when, one that's when you know shit's real wow when dolly camera the, look at you've been in the, la for a month right? and you're like dolly can't throw a dolly out there shit the dolly's here <laughs> let me put more makeup on <laughs> absolutely uh, we're doing 4k so can you cuss on here sure okay here's if we're talking money I will spend money, but I have learned if it is money, an uncomfortable amount that you put into something that like you can grow from, mm-hmm. to me, it makes sense no matter what. I mean, I'm part-time nanning at this point. Mm-hmm. The show's in two weeks. I go, I look at my ticket to LA. It is a $900 ticket. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not $900 <laughs> plane ticket <laughs> status. At right, this moment. Right. This is not spirit, Airline. This ain't spirit. No, yeah. but like I just was like, I'm gonna go. I yeah. mean what I mean, yeah. whatever. You know, it was like, time. Did you know it was time? No, I didn't. I didn't I had no expectations what this was gonna turn into for me. Okay. So spend the money. I go, I film the set. I think not much of it. It was a fun set. I don't think much of it. Uh and then I go, I'm just again still living my life. I am in a comedy festival. They put out my first little clip. They mm-hmm. set, they released my set. I was pissed they clip that they put out was a bit that I didn't even mean mean to end up going into. Mm-hmm. I'd flubbed a word and I was like, sorry, I'm from Kentucky. My parents are cousins. And I got this big laugh and I was like, oh, I got to do the, my parents are cousins bit. Right. I didn't even, I went through it really fast because I just thought, I thought mm-hmm. that bit is hacky and I didn't even end up liking it. That's the first clip they put out of me is my parents are cousins on a Friday at 5.30 p.m. I'm embarrassed. I'm like, oh, everyone's going to see this. They're going to think I'm a hack. It's it's not going to do well. This is going to be embarrassing boom it blows up right just i can't i don't i can't explain it mm-hmm. I was not expecting it uh they put out a couple different more clips of me and they just exploded yeah then it just kind of took off from what there. does exploded mean went viral like, like how, how many millions, millions i mean i it, during the time when that so a lot of things fell into line when those clips started blowing up i had put out this one specific clip this dnf bit that exploded too at the same time and then I recorded a half hour album that was coming out at the same time. So I had to put clips out to promote that. Mm -hmm. So all these things kind of aligned where my presence online, just every clip I was putting out was going viral. 
Right. So started getting calls from managers. Mm -hmm. I was told I was on the short list for JFL. So it was kind of holding off. Just for last comedy festival in Montreal. Yes. Big deal for the up and coming comedian. Right. And I was under the unrepped list. Right. So I had to, I was interviewing different managers. So don't get a manager yet. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, But this is, this is, I'll tell you, this this is a lesson in learning that rejection is not always, rejection can be the best path for you. This is the first time in your life you've been rejected. Absolutely, <laughs> for men, not from right, colleges. Not from, okay, not from colleges <laughs> or the profession. Correct. All right, go. Um, I so I was holding off, holding off, holding off. Got the call. I just missed getting JFL. Mm-hmm. Did not get JFL. Was disappointed. Called the my favorite manager. Said, "Let's go. Let's sign together." Mm-hmm. Two weeks later, my manager called, or a couple weeks later, and said. I'm at Fallon. I just, they just had a dropout for a musical guest. There's a spot open for a comedian. I pitched you. He wants to see you submit your transcript. Mm. Had I, that was the week that JFL was happening. Right. So if I had gotten JFL, right. I would not have signed with the manager. I wouldn't have gotten Fallon. Wow. So thank God I got rejected. Right. I mean, it kind of, that was the other thing that skyrocketed my career. Mm. Uh, so I was just hoping that once in your life, you would feel the terrible sting that the rest of us know. Talking about blonde privilege with Catherine Blandford. I know. She I know gets that's rejected what it is. and everything works <laughs> yeah. out peachy for her. I worked my ass off. I know you did. Um, I know you did. Okay, so you get Fallon. I get Fallon. And that's what, July? August 3rd. I August, taped 3rd. August 3rd. Okay. Did it and, air that same day or? Yeah, that night. Okay. That night. I taped, I think, I taped at 3.30 p.m. and it came out. I think what is the show at 11 p.m. that night? <laughs> I'm it's in bed. If, I'm either watch it. I'm either out doing comedy or I'm asleep. At You're that time. not even out that late. You're doing an 8 p.m. show call. Well, that's what I'm. Well, uh, the skull has a 10:30 show on Saturday. <laughs> okay, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is over at 11:30 p.m. Much, that's okay. Yeah, one that's right. on a Saturday. People, are, hey, do you want to do the 1 a.m. show? And I'm like, no, no, I don't want to do the 1 a.m. By the show. way, everyone at that 1 a.m. show. Comic two, yeah. they're regretting being there. Right, they're going. Whoa, we shouldn't have done this. Yeah. It's late. It We're would take. Really tired. A, first of all, I would have to drink a gallon of coffee. Yes. that afternoon, and secondly, it would take me a week to recover after that. All right, so you do the Tonight Show. I do the Tonight Show, and then I just start touring after that, and yeah. I'm figuring it out. Yeah. I just immediately started uh, booking like a lot of one nighters at places. Went out to LA, started talking to agents, eventually signed with agency. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I would probably say by the time September hit, I was no longer a nanny. My last day of nannying was August 17th. I turned 31 August 19th in Florida on my first <laughs> first headlining set. What, what club at, was that? Tour. Oh, you know, the big, the box theater in Boca Raton. Oh, Boca yeah, Raton. yeah, yeah, yeah. Book or a tone. Yeah, yeah, You're yeah. big with the uh, older Jewish crowd. There. Right. I said, okay, yeah. I'm done booking um, theaters through. I want to do th- that. I'm done I- booking gigs through Facebook Messenger now. I, I was a horse girl. I was obsessed with horses growing up, but my parents, they didn't want to get me a horse or they didn't want to pay for horseback riding lessons. So me and my friends, we were just horses for each other. <laughs> you remember these horse girls? You remember these girls? Oh, the recess bell would ring and they... <laughs> you got in their way they let you know right <laughs> we took horse girl real seriously we only had to put down one girl <laughs> and I got sent to the 
principal for that? And the principal was like, now, why does Kelly keep saying you euthanized her? I was like, well, first of all, her name is Lightning Bolt. Okay, so, and then you started opening for David Spade. Right, yeah, that was... uh, our friend Andrew Stanley, mm-hmm. comic in Atlanta, yep. was opening for him. They were out to dinner. I I was doing a gig here mm-hmm. that was supposed to go to Andrew Stanley, right. but he couldn't take it because he was opening for Spade. Mm-hmm. And it was the dream gig for any comedian. It was a high school graduation party <laughs> where the parents thought it would be fun for the kids to see a comedian. Right. Um, so That's they're at their good, party, a good idea. right? No, no. Have you ever done a college show? No. It's the Have it's I the done a college worst. show? I don't think I have. I just did a college show. No. They're not they're I don't not, I'm, I'm 50 I'll be 54 no, next month. No, don't do it. I'm 31 and I'm right. like I'm too yeah. I don't connect with you. Yeah. They're not adults. And I'm not I'm not knocking them. I'm just saying they're still sitting in class getting yeah. lectures. You might as well be giving them a lecture. I went to business school in yeah. at Dartmouth and Hanover and I was back for my 25th reunion uh, back in the fall and there's a little restaurant Sawtooth bar and grill, I think is, is the name of it. They've got a cool little room in the back. Yeah. So I called up the Dartmouth Comedy Network that's run mm-hmm. by 19 year olds. And I'm like, I'm going to be in town. I want to do a show. And the crowd was 50% my classmates and 50% undergrads. So it's basically like a, a undergrads brother, and their parents. Program. No, mom and dad and their kids. They're looking at me like I'm their dad. Absolutely. And so there were very distinct moments where like my friends would laugh. And the undergrads didn't laugh. There was no point where the undergrads laughed and my friends didn't laugh. Yeah. But there were lots of points where they didn't laugh. Well, I, I think to them, you're okay, they're still sitting in classes. They're still getting lectured. Yeah. And what you look like to them is somebody that tells them to stop making noises. I'm an authority figure. Stop making noises. Right. Respect me. Yeah. You know, be quiet. Respect me. So Tall, just bald, like, white man. Yeah. They're just programmed to be right. like, zip it up. Yeah. They're just going to tell my mom and dad. Okay. So you're, so the high school gig for Andrew right. Stanley. I'm doing a high school gig. The kids are having fun. Their parents tell mm-hmm. them to stop having fun and sit in the lawn and listen to this comedian lecture right. them. So I do that. <laughs> I, I'm counting down the, the minutes during, mm-hmm. while I'm standing up there for 15 minutes of silence. I get my money. I text Andrew Stanley. I'm like, you missed the game. <laughs> he texts me back with a picture of him on stage of a theater. Right. You know, performing on In a jumbotron. Of, right. 2,000 people. He's like, I think I made a good decision. He goes, oh, by the way, uh, we were at dinner and Spade shows me his phone and goes, do you know who this is? And it's one of your clips. Mm-hmm. And he goes, oh, it's my friend Catherine. He goes, cool. A couple weeks later, Spade has a show in Jacksonville. He asks Andrew to do it. Andrew can't do it because he has his engagement party. So mm-hmm. he goes... You remember you said you had that friend. Right. Could you ask her to do it? I could do it. Be nice to Andrew Stanley yeah. is the whole yeah. theme of this right. program. You never know. Yeah. Yeah. So Spade is a gentleman. He's a he's a wonderful human he being is to be with. The funniest, like walking down the street funny. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Oh, like, for sure. Every he's so on all the time, mm-hmm. but effortlessly. Yeah. And he's just the way his brain works is so funny. He actually is a he is more Okay, he's down to earth in the fact that he knows when he's like, he knows he's a little spoiled right. and he makes comments about it. The 60-year-old man child. Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. But but is also still like, in that way, still very down to earth and very generous and very, anybody who comes up to him and asks for a picture, he says yes. Yeah. You know, he's, yeah. he's awesome. Yeah, I, mean, I read his memoir. I can't remember the title of it, but I laughed out loud 
a hundred times reading that memoir. He's that like he's that guy where you're like, oh, that's who he is. Yes, to the core. And there's other comics you meet, and you're like, oh, this person's an act. It's yeah. all an act. Yeah, no, very much. I, I mean, sometimes you you hang out with him on day, and then you watch him on stage, and it does feel like you're just he's still talking yeah. like he did at the dinner table. Right. And when I say the dinner table, I mean Chili's. We go to <laughs> Chili's or Outback. You, Bobby Miyamoto, and yes, and, yes, yeah, yeah. you know Bobby. I've worked yes. with Bobby seventeen years ago. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. God, that is a, he's a, he's a specimen to be studied yeah. by the aliens when they come back. Bobby is. When I would be like top three humans, put Bobby in there. <laughs> Why is that? His fixation on such minute things hmm. that he will fixate on for days right. and bring up. Yeah. I mean, you could be like, Bobby, my whole family just died in a plane crash. And he'd be like. And you'd be like, they were on their way to the Lululemon store and then their plane crash. And he would be like, what were they going to get at Lululemon? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he, he's, he's like, gets so fixated on like, right. he had a yeah. Lululemon craze for, yeah. for four weeks. Sure. So now you've gone from being a nanny and comedy being a very poorly paying hobby. Do you feel as if at this point you control your own destiny? Yes and no. I do think that... Are you more in control of what happens to you than you were a year ago? Yes, but being that I know right now I'm in... I, I understand I'm in a very sweet spot mm -hmm. where how the industry goes is... people. You're excited. You've been a spark that has been lit. Mm -hmm. and they're paying attention to you. You have heat. I have. You have heat, mm -hmm. correct. Take advantage of the heat and work your ass off. Right. You can't just sit there and ride the wave. I think you have to keep making things happen for yourself for them to stay interested in you. Mm -hmm. And also know that your flame could go out at any time. <laughs> Whether it's your own fault or somebody Correct. else's. Yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah, right, right. Yeah. yeah but you got to get, you got to stop using the N word in your act. They're going to hear it soon enough, Catherine. Well, yeah, or, you know, positioning yourself in your way that they're not surprised that you say the N word. Right. That's right. <laughs> you know, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Well, you could get away with it. You're just like, right, right. I guess. Uh, you know, I'm just kidding you. <laughs> so, how do you think about things? Like, what are your days like? What are your weeks like? How are you thinking about like? Okay, this is this is how I'm going to make it happen. I'm always working mm -hmm. from when I wake up, but I'm I love it though. It, it really excites me. Well, what does that me. mean when you wake up? You're working. What does that mean? Uh, like this morning, I woke up and I edited three clips. Mm -hmm. I edited a a podcast clip to put online. I edited a YouTube thing and I edited a, a show promotion to promote these three shows I have next mm -hmm. week. I go and I, I write for an hour because I need I want a new I want a new hour to right. film to be able to put out new clips to yeah. to build my audience so I could sell. More tickets at more shows. You're supposed to write new material? You're supposed to write new material. Oh, yeah, that's the thing. That's what you learn in year 12. I, that's about where I am. And I did it like 54 minutes on Saturday night. And I'm like, if I ever did catch fire, yeah. I would have to do that all over again. Yeah. And that yeah. took me 10 years to write. Oh, that's that was the new beast that was giving me panic attacks for right. a little bit. Cause, yeah. cause I like all my stuff, like I put it out right. And then it yeah. all kind of blew up and they're like, Oh, now you're going to, what else you got? And the people that are buying tickets to go see you across the country are buying tickets to see you cause they saw you online. Right. They've seen your stuff. Yeah. Oh, and so it's not just, you know, anybody going to see a don't tell, they don't know who you are. Right. Yeah. They know who you are. Yeah. So they want new stuff. That was a learning curve, but it's like, okay, you've been tasked with the challenge. Time to learn, time to level up. Right. Now that people are noticing you, what's the rudest thing somebody has said to or about you online? Oh, lately somebody said, 
This is my favorite. They said, it's unfortunate that you are attractive. <laughs> are you ready for this? Because people will just stay and listen to you no matter how unfunny you are. And they won't let you know how unfunny you are because you're attractive. So you'll never be, you'll never be told. Yeah. And what venue was that? Uh, that was a man on Facebook with a profile uh, of, a, I believe, a Hot Wheels wheel. So oh, there you go. He is the expert. Sure. He, he is Mr. Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. Is that the main bucket that people are bashing you with? Mm, no, I think none of it really bothers me. I mean, the insane stuff is like the the social media, like the you, people, especially like TikTok and YouTube, are just like women aren't funny. It's like you, yeah. they don't they don't even they haven't even turned they don't even have the sound on right. on their app. They just yeah. see a woman with a microphone. They're like, I have one video that's close to a million views. Yeah, right by far my and it's funny to watch. The you learn a lot by reading people's comments about who you don't want to be. Yes. And they're like, this is so unfunny. It's like, really? Because 50,000 people have right. liked it. So, I mean, it's, it might be kind of funny. Yeah. You, and you come to, the, I come to the conclusion that half the people are drunk and 99% of them are stupid. They're just so dumb that you want to go, you look, <laughs> yeah, because then you go look at their profile and you go, oh, thank God you don't like me. Yeah. If right. You, yeah. If right. you liked me, that's, I would, I, that sucks. So that's, who do you want to be your fan? Who like, what's the, when you see people at the show, who are you happy to see? I do. I mean, it is fun to, you know, this, I'll just be honest, like to see women that are like kind of in my demographic, because mm -hmm. it's just fun for people to come up and be like, oh, like little bits of my, even like a side, a throwaway comment where like, I'm like, we take pictures and we're, now I'm at the point where we're going waist up. Right. I had this whole bit about like, you could tell they were young because they were in their bikinis and they were taking selfies and their whole body was in it. Right. Yeah. And then, and people will come up to me afterwards and be like, can I get a picture? I'll be like, waist up, you know, or, yeah. or, or they have a joke about their mom doing this and and it's just like it's fun to have people connect with because i'm talking from my own life experience and it's fun to have people come up and be like i get you i relate to that and then a lot of lesbians really love it i just love the lesbians i think for me it's like i feel like um a mom trying to connect with her kids and when the lesbians are telling me like we still enjoy you we accept you I'm not a lesbian yet but it is cool to be like yes the cool kids like me right so do you think lesbians are cooler than straight women very much yeah dude when when lesbians accept me I feel transcended because why maybe because the way I look and what maybe people have labeled me is is like you know just a white straight girl that was in a sorority. And I go, uh -huh. no, no. What sorority were you in? Uh, Cayo till I die. Oh, Cayo. Mm -hmm. Right. At Kentucky. No, South Carolina, South Carolina. I had to get out of Kentucky. So I had to level up. <laughs> you had to level up in Columbia, South, Car South Carolina. <laughs> right. There you go. So what do you hope happens? Like what do the next few years of your career look like? I want to just keep being challenged and keep, I just want to say, I want to have the ability to, again, like I said, like, okay, people are buying tickets. They want to see you on a tour now. Now I'm being challenged to write a new hour, learn how to write an hour on the road. Now I want to have shows. I want, mm -hmm. whether it's hosting unscripted, I want, I want the challenge of writing a, a scripted show, trying to pitch that. I want the challenge of learning how to act on the, on camera, Especially not just for like any somebody else's show, but learning to act and develop my own show. Right. Yeah. Just like growing, but growing and being and doing the projects that 
I feel sparked to do. Right. So not too terribly long before you got The Tonight Show, you and I were sitting in the green room at the Laughing Skull. Mm-hmm. And you were saying, you know, you felt like you needed to move to either New York or L.A., mm-hmm. but you didn't have the money to move to New York mm-hmm. or L.A., which would be, what, a few thousand dollars? Uh, to move in. Yeah, that's what you have to pay. Right. First and last month's That's rent. what you have to pay to leave your car park there <laughs> yeah. to unload your stuff. Right. You, that's about it. That's right. $2,000 an hour. So, <laughs> so how does it feel to have money in your pocket? It is, it's just less stress. It's not so much exciting, but it's just, it feels like it's freedom. Mm. That's the best way to describe it. Because why? Because now I can go, I'm going to LA. I'm I'm about to pay rent to go to LA, Mm -hmm. but I'm still going to, you know, keep stuff here and hopefully get like, you know, a week of Atlanta time in and still know I'll have a week to two weeks in LA every month and also be on the road. And it's freedom to not be super stressed about doing that. And being like, I guess the opportunities, there are more opportunities that open when you have financial freedom to go after those opportunities as well. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, being able to afford to to also live in LA and try and get up at the store and get seen by all those people and not have to worry about having a day job where I'm too tired to right. go out. Yeah. Or to be on the road because you got to pay bills. Correct. Yeah. So you got to go get seen by industry. Yeah. And, you know, being able to take gigs and not have to feel like you have to take every little gig yeah. that might even, you know, you net profit $16 cause you need it that bad. A person I talked to not long ago and she goes, I'm having this event and I want a comedian. And I was like, well, you know, what kind of a budget are you working with? And she was like, well, don't comics make like 50 bucks to go up at the store. They go up the comedy store because that's where the industry is because that's where the other comics are the best comics in the game. Yeah. That's like going to your like, living room. Right. And it's so funny. And I've had in other conversations with people like looking for things for events and they're like, oh, well, you know, we've, we're having a very expensive dinner and we've budgeted $200 for the after dinner entertainment. And you're like, people don't get it. You go, how much did you pay for the catering? Yeah, exactly. And they go, uh, 1200. Yeah. I don't know how much catering is. Right. But you go, but it's a hundred bucks a plate and we got $90 for after dinner entertainment. Right. Right. You go, oh, that, that person that's going to do an hour that took them 10 years to write. That's right. You could pay them ninety dollars. Yeah, but but you spent more on your pork chops. On the pork chops. Yeah, I don't know. I guess they feel like that's more important to their event than paying for good talent. Anyway, that's me venting. Okay, so I want to ask you a question about a future episode I have coming up. What are you going to say? Going to say, let it out, Catherine. Okay, me? No, I don't have anything to say. I just that's insane that she said fifty dollars. It really it bugs me. Yeah, I was bugged. I was yeah. quite bugged. And this is a person that teaches financial empowerment. And I'm like, oh, okay. Anyway, I have a question for you. Since you're the voice of Gen Y, femality, femality. Am I Gen Y? Are you Gen Y? I think you're Gen Y. You're very young millennial if you're a millennial. Uh, Yeah. Why are there leaf blowers here today? They're not supposed to be here today. And that's what I want to have the freedom to say one day. Out loud. I would love to dictate the schedule of the leaf blowers. The leaf I've blower never, guys. Yeah. I've never, I've been at the mercy of their schedule yeah. my whole life. Well, uh, you at least know when they're coming. All right, we're going to keep going. In an upcoming episode, I'm going to interview a researcher. And this guy and his researching partner did a study a few years back. 
And they examined the role of the kind of car a guy was in and how women would rate his attractiveness based on the kind of car he was in. Uh And the research concluded that women definitely prefer a guy in a nice car than in a Ford Fiesta. Okay. They rated him as more attractive. Now, the opposite was true for men rating women in the cars. So the men evaluated the women purely on appearance and the women evaluated men based on the quality of the car. Mm -hmm. What do you think that means? I get it. And (laughs) no, I get it. That means I get it. No, I I wanted to be like, I don't, I'm not like that. And then I go, yeah, I dated a guy in college because he drove a Range Rover. You did. That was, that was the first, that was top three things I brought up about him when somebody asked me. <laughs> what were the other two? I don't remember. I don't even know his middle name. Were you attracted to him? Yeah, I think so. But I think, I mean, literally in the back of my head, I was like, but he's a Range Rover. Right. That, and and I, I want to fight that so much because I drive a, a twenty a brand new 2013 Hyundai. But like, I, I don't care about cars either. But here's what I think it is. I think it's because, and it is cars. I am, I'm not a materialistic person, but mm-hmm. I think it is, Something about a car with the guy. Here it is. I think, I think we got to dumb it down to fundamentals. And it's still, no matter how much things are changing, you still kind of, uh, you still kind of look at a guy and base his worth off of how he can provide. Right. No matter, maybe even though you can provide for yourself too, I mm-hmm. think as a woman, you still go, oh, I can provide for myself. It's fine. I still, if that guy's with me and can't provide, I'm looking at him like, well, are you lazy? Are you going to freeload off me? Right. You know, hold your own. Right. So it's not like, can I'm not going to freeload off them either, but it's attractiveness, attractiveness mm-hmm. and a nice car or just a attractive car. Tahoe. Yeah. Something that you want to put cement in because you're you're remodeling your home by yourself or right. something. I don't know. Just speaks to like a level of being able to provide mm. versus women. I think maybe you know. I don't know if I'm being dinosaur esque era with this, but maybe we've all kind of been brought up in a society where uh, we're women aren't looked to as the primary providers. Right. So it's less about do you have the the means of, you know, if you buy a nice car, you'll be able to be a good provider. We're not, most people aren't looking at women. The female, the female. Right. Well, the men, men certainly weren't looking. I mean, my conclusion here is that women seek security and safety and men are pigs. That's the conclusion that men are just purely interested in attractiveness. And like, well, I'll take care of the car. I'll buy her a sweet ride. Well, yeah, I think that's what you see women with beautiful women with ugly dudes. Right, because they have a lot of money. You see it in movies still, sure, because it's still it's still like accepted that like the women will bypass that mm-hmm. if they can provide in all the other areas. Okay, now you have a bit where you talk about having dated the bad boy, and then you started dating somebody who's more stable. Kevin from accounting. Kevin from accounting. Mm-hmm. What's the back? And not the personal details, but what do you think the emotional backbone is to that bit? No, it's why it's, do people relate to that bit? I think it's a it's a coming of age. <laughs> so it's a classic coming oh of age. Oh my god, story. you're mature. Yeah. It's realizing that it's looking past the looks and the fun and who's mm. who's fun at at one PM on a Saturday because they're drunk and eating wings and the bars having fun with them. Because the rest of the hours it's absolute terror and nightmares because mm-hmm. you're also gonna be picking them up at that same bar at two AM mm. and they're gonna go, oh, I can't 
close my bar tab. Will you come in here and put your card down? I'll pay you back Ooh. sometime later. And they still don't. They still owe you $500. Um, <laughs> he didn't have a nice car. I'll give you I'll give you that clip that you can use please, in whatever way please, you want. thank yeah, you. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll, it'll be a direct DM, um, <laughs> which is an electronic love letter. Learning that there that you as you grow older and you appreciate other needs being met, mm-hmm. you don't look for the you know Saturday at noon good time right. and somebody that's going to be enjoyable to be around and and create a lifestyle for you. Is the emotional connection different? Yeah, but it's like okay, it's like this. It's like when you're drunk in college and you're chasing being the drunken good time and then you go to rehab and <laughs> you're sober now, but you enjoy a good book. Yeah. Did you go to rehab? No, I didn't go to rehab, but I. this is a nice read with this guy. <laughs> it's a nice beach read. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's a different level of, of high, Yeah. but it's it's more, uh, you actually appreciate it on a deeper level. Before that, you were too drunk to ever read. It's a slower burn. So you never, yeah. Yeah. Is that a good... An, is that a metaphor? What is that? I don't uh, read. <laughs> <laughs> you analogy? use like or as, it's a simile. Right. Or an analogy. Yeah, yeah. An analogy is like a simile, I think. Yeah. How do you think that'll change as you become more and more self-sufficient? You know, I think now it's about, now that I have my own security, I think it's also, I'm learning to appreciate somebody who also appreciates my projects and my ambition mm-hmm. and supporting that. Right. I don't think I necessarily ever looked at that before because I was just, you know, it was the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I really just needed Damn. a roof, a shelter. Right. Right. <laughs> and now you're moving up towards self-actualization. Yes. Nice. Yes. Let's play what if. What if you got a million dollars in the next six months, you sign let's some. Let's play when. Let's play when. Okay. <laughs> let's say you got a million or multi million dollar contract, holding deal, whatever. Mm-hmm. What happens? Like, how do you start thinking about money? What would you do with that money? What luxuries would you buy yourself? And would there be a safety play? Yeah, I'm investing it into convenience first. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to invest in, you know, maybe buying a home, probably more stable home, like in LA or somewhere mm-hmm. closer to wherever I'm living in a city that's going to get me more access to these right. people. Right. And then, you know, I guess I'm going to start putting something into whatever those retirement things are. <laughs> Rosses, Roths, Ross. Ross. Yes. I hate the Ross's name of a Roth IRA. IRA. I just, I just did a, I just did an online content commercial for TurboTax mm-hmm. and they would send, they would show you little clips of financial TikTok yeah. advice and then I had to riff off of it. Uh-huh. And the cameras are on. They didn't want to show us before and they, yeah. they'd show me one and I had to riff on Roth IRAs oh, and I'd boy. just be like, I don't know. Ross sounds like a bully in high school. <laughs> <laughs> Ross. Yes. Ross's IRAs. Uh, yeah. They, no. they sell those at Ross Dress for Less. Right. In that little channel aisle toward the cash registers where they have like all the candy. Face and, masks. Yeah. Old candles and shit like that. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. And a cracked phone screen. Mm-hmm. I would invest in being, putting myself in prime locations and prime positions mm-hmm. to continue to, to have the heat. Yeah. And then I would, um, I guess with the rest, you know, I don't. Yeah, I guess start saving. I yeah. am starting to save. Yeah. Uh, that's it. I'm not really into the 
I don't I don't know. I don't like any of the, I just love creating and working. I don't yeah. know. I don't know if I I don't really give a shit about a cars or mm-hmm. fancy homes. So I, when you move to LA, you're not going to buy a Porsche and Absolutely not. Okay. Not yet. Right. I just don't I know myself and I break things and I'm irresponsible <laughs> enough. I will crash it. Sure, that happens. Yeah. What did you learn about how to manage money from your parents? Uh don't tell don't tell dad. Don't tell dad. Don't tell dad. What does that mean? Oh, that's what your mom would shopping. say. Don't tell dad. <laughs> uh, no, they actually scared the shit out of me. I think they they gave me anxiety about money because they were always a little stressed about money. Yeah. And what I did learn then was they never really, they never bought the flashy things or anything else. And what I learned from them maybe subconsciously is to not want for those things. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't hurt as bad when you don't get it. Or you right. Don't, yeah. Ooh, that sounds awfully Catholic. Oh, Catholic school, kindergarten, all girls Catholic high school. Right. I didn't, I don't, when people go, oh, you know, elementary school or middle school. And I go, I did grade school. I did kindergarten through eighth grade at my parish school. Right. So did I. Yeah. And then four years in high school at the diocesan school. Yes. Yeah. Right. Do you think that informs how you think about money? Here's my joke that rings of trueness as all good jokes do. Mm -hmm. Not that this is a great joke. Yeah. But I say, I feel like I deserve to have the money. I don't deserve to spend it. Does that ring true to you? Yeah. Thanks, for, like thanks for not laughing. First of all, I want to make sure. <laughs> I don't. These are, this but, is a professional. This is what comedians do for I other do people's not, okay. bits. We don't laugh at each other's bits. I was watching. But when I, I never, watch Netflix, I don't laugh. I would never have taken that as a joke. <laughs> That's not that a joke. Was, it's just a cry for help. That was the top of, a, of an email getting me to invest in a city bank account. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Do you feel guilty when things go your way? Um, mm, I've stopped. No, I stopped. Mm. I did. And then I go, hell no. No, I worked, I would work 10 hours a day for another family mm-hmm. with their three kids. And a lot of those days was miserable, not because of them, but mm-hmm. I was just doing a job that I just did not was not fun for me it was very mundane mm-hmm. and i was pretty miserable most of the days right. just serving <laughs> other did, people's children did they know you were miserable i think it probably seeped out mm-hmm. it probably seeped out <laughs> you're like, like you're fucking kids yeah it did, yeah they might if they if they you're spoiled if they, kids they turned on the cameras again it wasn't really the kids fault it was just somebody who's not maternal right. being a nanny 10 hours a day for you're not kids. maternal you don't think you're maternal absolutely not i no. can't i'm not i don't i don't have no, I don't care for other <laughs> helpless people. They're helpless for a while. Yeah. I just, it's too, it's too helpless. Yeah. It's hard to serve helpless people as somebody who is, it's hard to serve helpless people while they're kind of your boss. <laughs> the kids, you mean? Yeah. It's hard they're to have a four boss. Right. In what way was that person your boss? Because they could get you fired at, any, at any, second. any second. And they literally said it sometimes. Really? Yeah. And, they don't think they knew, yeah. but they, yeah, they did. How did that make you feel? Enraged. <laughs> Enraged, but you legally are not allowed. Interesting. To express that rage. So what advice would you give for parents who hire nannies and or otherwise long-term, medium-term child care i would say this two things one i just would express to those children as much as possible 
again, and I'm not knocking people, a lot of people that have nannies, I mm-hmm. get it. The family mm-hmm. I nannied for was phenomenal. The mom I learned so much from, she was, she just was, I hate the word boss, but she was in her industry. She worked her butt off and she had kids to help her be able to work her job. And the guy, t- the, the husband too. She had but kids to be able to work her job? Th- she had a nanny. To help her work her job. Yeah, you right. get it. Nobody has kids to help their career. Besides the Kardashians. That's right. Express to those children as much as possible that having a nanny is a luxury mm-hmm. and to be respectful and to appreciate it mm. and to not take it for granted or speak to them as if they're taken for granted. And then I would also say to the family, I think is just be aware that uncomfortable dynamic for nanny when the when the parents are in the room is that the nanny can't really be authoritative figure to the kids yeah and i just feel like if you're gonna be away or working then have the nanny but if you're gonna be there with the children then the nanny doesn't need to be there Mm. does that make sense yeah that was the awkward not now i'm saying my family does but i see even in other situations i hear about the moms being there but does your pitch for a nanny show include a sort of anti down with the rich element to it that makes it more sellable yes 100%. 100%. It does. Yeah. 100%. How do you feel about that? Considering I, that you're going to be rich someday. You're going to get rich off of a show about taking down the rich. Do you taking, see the irony there? No, just taking down the, the rich who have children for pets. For pets. They have children that they pawn off into nannies mm. to raise them. Mm. Okay. I'm calling our nanny right now. And and the rich <laughs> who have always maybe been rich uh-huh. and do not have a sense about the rest of the world. Right. You get it? Uh, I hope so. Now you're making me wonder. How, was I good? Were, were we good to our nannies? I think we were good to our nannies. I have also come to terms with the fact that I probably am coming from a much more negative position because I just was a nanny. I was someone who was a nanny who shouldn't have been a nanny. Right. Just being that it just wasn't in my nature. So what would you have done that you would have enjoyed more? What would have been more in your wheelhouse? And why did you take the job as a nanny? Because it was, it was daily and they were very flexible. The family, I say this with all, because they're family. Do they know you're talking shit about their I'm mom? Not, I'm not talking shit. About, no, 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 I'm not talking shit about the mom. She's amazing. I No, I love her. I love them. I'm saying this as somebody. It would be like maybe an extrovert in a sales position job. Mm-hmm. Or somebody like it just, I, my body physically rejects anything maternal. So do you believe if you work hard that you'll be rewarded financially? No. You don't believe that? I think it's a possibility. I don't think it's always. Okay. So one of the things that I find really eye-opening about hanging out with a lot of younger comedians, given that for the previous 15 years almost, I was working with people in the technology industry Mm -hmm. who were like, I'm in this industry because I'm going to kick ass. I'm going to make money and be a part of something that's going to be big. Yeah. And then you go into comedy where people are like, the world's against me. It doesn't matter what I do because I'm not going to succeed because that's just not how it works. I think a lot of comedians don't work that hard. I agree with you. I think I think they of, hang out and drink and yeah. like that's and they think they're doing comedy, but they're just that's just You're their social life. And then I think that they don't do a lot of behind the scenes work. Like what? Waking up, creating your online content, putting effort into it, creating putting quality behind that, going and writing, hmm. writing for 
to develop yourself, not writing for an open mic, not writing for your friends, not writing for an eight minute set on a showcase, writing for an hour show Mm -hmm. that weaves in and out and tells us, and there's a through line and a story and writing for a specific audience, if that's what you want, like being purposeful and putting in the work on all aspects. Right. But I think that's another thing about people getting into the arts is that there are some people that maybe just, not that it's a lazy profession, but it attracts people who just want to express themselves but not put in the work. But Because then, they expect the world to notice, to find right. them. Right. And so if I'm a genius, the world should find me. Right. Because I create such beautiful things. Well, you also had to be a hardworking genius. You had to right. be, a, yeah. you had to be a, you'd put as much business as much as there are genius into it. Equal parts. You know, I resisted social media for a long, ironically resisted social media. Be, I don't know. I just couldn't, I looked at TikTok. I looked at Snapchat. I looked at Instagram and I'm like, what can I do on these platforms that won't hate myself? Yeah. Right. And yeah. so, and I've just started in the last six months, really starting to put up clips mm-hmm. and doing it more regularly. But you know, you're supposed to be putting them up like, four or five times a week, right? Like a real cadence. And it's like, okay, besides stand-up clips, what am I going to put up? Like, how do you, how do you express who, how do you think, talk about that brand. And by the way, I think what you said is really important that people should say, who do I want to be? How do I get there? What's my brand? How do I write toward that brand? Mm -hmm. And that's not an easy thing to figure out necessarily. No, I was saying it's like, you know it, go do it, but you do it to know it. Right. Like I do it I sh- to know it. Do it to know it. I, that's a good phrase. That's a t- that's t-shirt worthy. It's pillow. Put it on a pillow. Do it to know it. It needs a needle point. Yeah. It, it's uncomfortable and, but it's the same thing to do it to know it. Where you won't figure out what you like to put on social media or what works for you until you get uncomfortable and start putting stuff out there. Right. And like watch and also just watching other like content on there and yeah. being like, cause there's so many different avenues you can go and a million, million different avenues and learning when you put your stuff out there, you watch what catches, right? And you, you'll see what, what people like. And, but also being easy on yourself and going, not everything is going to go great. <laughs> just put it out. Just put it out there. Right, sometimes right. it's a, sometimes it's just a, another Tuesday. Hello. I exist. Yeah. That's interesting. All right. Catherine Blanford, I'm so proud of you. That sounds that sounds patronizing, but it's Thank true. You. And I'm excited for you and I'm cheering for you. Where are you going to be back half of the month and in March? Boston. Nice. I'm so excited. I laugh Boston. Yes. We have a lot of friends in Boston. Oh, please so come. the word. Yeah, yeah. I'm there Thursday through Saturday. All right. I don't know my show times. It's the 20s. It's the early 20s. Okay. Uh, the February. Early t- oh, February. <laughs> no, early 20s. It's a flapper it's show, a I tell you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where else are you besides Boston? Oh, I'm going to be in Detroit some weekend in the beginning of March. At Mark Ridley's? No. House of... Oh, House of Comedy. Yeah. That's House a new, of Comedy? New, new club. Is it new? It's a year too old, yeah. Okay, cool. Good to know. All right. Um, I don't know. Uh, there's so many other ones I can't remember. And what are your social media handles that are all of our listeners should follow? This was my biggest mistake. Catherine Blanford was taken. So my Instagram name is <laughs> at it's Catherine Blanford. At it's Catherine Blanford. So when people go, what's your Instagram? You go, it's it's Catherine Blanford. And mm. they go, huh? And so it's go, I-T apostrophe S. 
There's no apostrophe. God. So you in other words, it's the it's time. possessive. Yes, it's got the, it's such a pain in the, it's a pain in the ass, I know. and it's a pain in the ass to explain that. But it's Catherine Blanford on most things. Mm-hmm. We're Catherine Blanford. All right, we'll put links to that in the show notes. I've got three cameras. I'm not even sure which one really. Anyway, I uh, know this one was here. Yeah, that's that's my camera. That's your personal one. Hey, what's up? Yeah, I'm sure Mike Carano, our editor with three different formats, is going to be like, "What the hell are you doing?" This one's sh- oh, that that one's on you. That's my phone. Okay, that's my camera. That's my other camera. They're totally different, and I'm sure they're different resolutions and all this kind of stuff. Oh, I feel like I'm back at my first day of nannying when they go, and there's a camera hidden there, and there's a camera <laughs> right, hidden there. Right, <laughs> right. And there's other ones we're not going to tell you about. This is the other about. nanny telling me the inside. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. All right, KB. Great Thanks, to see you. Kate. Well, that was fun. Thanks, everybody, for sticking around until the end. I know I knew you would enjoy uh, getting to know Catherine a little bit. Uh, three things before I let you go. Number one, be sure to check out the link to Catherine's album, Salt Daddy, in the show notes. Number two, the takeaways, the lessons from this week's episode will be available, as I mentioned, on the Crazy Money Podcast Instagram page and in the Crazy Money Podcast listeners group on Facebook. Go there, join and uh, check it out and share all those with your pals. Uh, and number three, don't forget, there's a link to my Substack in the show notes. Please check it out. Please subscribe. Either be a free subscriber or a paid subscriber if you want to help subsidize the production and the values behind this here Crazy Money podcast. We're going to be back next week with legendary Hollywood talent manager Larry Thompson. He was born in Clarksdale, Mississippi, drove across country to make it in Hollywood. He's got a great story. He has worked with some of the greatest talent uh, in this through the 70s, 80s, and 90s in Hollywood. I know you're going to enjoy his story. We'll see you right here back on Crazy Money next week.